0: Well, good morning and uh, happy new year. I kind of feel like maybe we should just circle up, get like a little small group thing happening here, but um, well done. Uh, <clears throat> very proud of you guys for getting up this morning. I know that was probably a little tough. If, if you need some, we've got some coffee in the back. We encourage them to make it extra strong. Don't feel bad about going back and getting that, but thanks so much for being here with us. My name's Tim. If you're new with us, I'm one of the pastors here. <laughs> And that, of course, was a clip from Zoolander, because we had to kick 2017 off right. Um, Zoolander is, uh, pro- I probably like this movie a little too much, um, but uh, this is, in this scene, you see Derek Zoolander, who's kind of having this kind of existential crisis, you could say. It, it, this was going to be the fourth year in a row that he was going to be named Male Model of the Year, but he doesn't get it. Instead, it's given to Hans. And so he's dealing with this identity crisis. Who am I if I'm not the male mom of the year? What is my identity? What does it mean to be me? Uh, well, before we jump into uh, the rest of the sermon, I wanted to just pause and go back to something Carmen had mentioned in her announcements. just really want to encourage you guys. We have Envision coming up uh, a week from today. Uh, Envision is, we do it once a year. It's kind of our kickoff for the year where we take some time, and we hear from all the different ministry leaders, uh, some about what has been going on in their ministries throughout the year, and we look ahead into 2017 and talk some about what, where we're going as a community where we feel like God's leading us. Uh, there'll be some businessy stuff, there'll be a lot of stories, and we'll be sharing a meal together as well. So really want to encourage you to carve out that time and join us for Envision. Even if you're new here, if, if you're just kind of interested in hearing more about what we're about as a community where we feel like we're going together, some of what's been happening. It's a great time to come meet some people, who hear a little bit more about what we're doing. We do encourage you to bring some finger food to share. We're going to share a meal together. Um so do, do bring some food to that. And uh again, childcare is provided, so we hope that you'll join us. It'll be a good time. So I want to start off with a story that I heard from a podcast I listened to. I li- listened to lots of podcasts. I think it's it's like the lazy man's reading. Um, because you can do it while you do other stuff, right? You, you know that. You listen to podcasts. So there's a lot of different ones I listen to. I was listening to a particular podcast this week, and I heard this really neat story. And, and as I did some research, like, and I saw it in a bunch of different places. I don't know if it's factual, but it was interesting. Uh, it's about a rabbi named Akiva. <clears throat> so the story goes, uh, the rabbi Akiva had been in a village together. Uh, he had been in a village, and he went to uh, gather some supplies from a neighboring village. He went out, and it was night. And as he's wandering, he came upon a roaming garrison, and he hears the the guard call out, who are you, and why are you here? He's a rabbi, and so rabbis don't ever answer questions with answers. They answer them with questions, right? And so Akiva realized where he was, and he responded, how much do they pay you to stand guard and ask that question of all who approach? And so the sentry replied, five drachmas a week, sir. In response, Akiva said, young man, I will double your pay if you come with me, stand in front of my cottage, and ask me that question each morning as I begin my day. Who are you, and why are you here? We're starting a new series this week. It's a new year, new series, that we're calling Free at Last. And in this series, we're actually exploring one of Paul's letters that we find in the New Testament. If, if you're not familiar, the New Testament is actually this collection of, uh, there, there's four kind of gospels, stories, autobi or not autobiographies, biographies about the life of Jesus. And then there's a history of the early church, and then there's a number of letters, many of them written by a guy named Paul. One of them is to the Galatians, this church in What was Asia Minor, what's now Turkey, this group of Jesus followers who are trying to figure out what it looks like to do life together in the way of Jesus, and Paul writes this letter to them. It's likely one of Paul's earliest letters, and there's a lot in this about what it means to be a Jesus follower, what it means to be part of a community of people who are trying to follow Jesus together, and we're going to jump into that in the coming weeks as we go through this letter together. But this morning, I actually want to take some time to look at how Paul introduces himself. Because I think it's interesting and it's helpful for us as we think about what this might have to do with our lives. So we're going to jump in in Galatians chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back. We encourage you to grab one. It's our gift to you. We'd love you to have one. But the scripture will be up on the screen so you can follow along. We're going to begin in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul writes, This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself, and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his Son to me, so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Okay, so there's a lot there, and again, we're going to, as we go through, some of that will make more sense, it'll tie together, Paul kind of goes into telling this story about some of his journey in learning to follow Jesus, so we'll talk more about that next week and in the coming weeks. But I want to look a little bit at how Paul introduces himself, and particularly how he introduces himself reflects his sense of who he is and why he's here. You'll notice that he is very explicit about his sense that he is called by God. He says that he was chosen. says, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Paul has this very clear sense that he is called for a specific purpose to be part of what God is doing in the world. And we don't just see this in Galatians. Again, there's a lot of Paul's letters in the New Testament, and if you look through just a couple of examples. In Romans, his letter to the Romans, he opens up in the first verse. He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. In Corinthians, he says this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. In Colossians, his letter to the Colossians, He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Again and again, you get the hint, right? Over and over in his letters, he starts out by emphasizing the fact that he sees himself as called, as chosen to play a specific part in what God is doing in the world. Paul had a really clear sense of call, a real clear sense that there was a reason why he existed. There was there was a real contribution that he was making to what God was doing in the world. Now, you might think that's just because Paul was full of himself, um, that he was kind of convinced that he was special. And, of course, Paul did have a pretty unique experience. If you're not familiar with Paul's story, in brief, he was, uh, he was a, a teacher of the law. He was a Pharisee, someone who was very knowledgeable of the religious law of the Jews. And this early kind of sect of Jesus followers were were Jewish people who, as they began to follow Jesus, concerned some of the teachers. They were worried about what might happen if people started hearing this message and started following their lead. And so they actually went out and started kind of. Paul led the way in imprisoning these people, these early followers of Jesus. And on one of those journeys, he received a vision where, where Christ himself appeared to him, and he was blinded. And in that moment, he received this call to turn from his his zealous oppression of the people of Jesus and to zealously call others to follow Jesus. It was this kind of radical transformation. And because the story is so kind of fantastic, it's easy to kind of create some distance between ourselves and that and be like, well, that's Paul. Like, Paul had this crazy experience. That's not... Not my experience. But the thing is, this isn't like a one off unique event in Scripture. If you're familiar with the Scriptures at all, you begin to pick up a pattern of how God seems to work in the world. From the very beginning to the end, you see characters like Adam and Eve, or or Abram, Enoch, Moses, Joshua, Elijah. than than the disciples, the early followers of Jesus. Heck, Mary, Jesus' mother. Paul himself. Again and again, all of these major characters were people who received a very specific call from God. A very clear call to be a part of what God was doing in the world. And some of them were fantastic. But some of them kind of normal. And it's hard not to look at the scriptures and get the sense that this isn't some unique thing that only happens to these people who we ought to venerate, these kind of weird, strange people maybe we call saints. But this is actually the way God tends to function with humans. This is how God brings about God's purposes in the world. Dallas Willard, an author pastor, in his book Hearing God, wrote this. He said, God's visits to Adam and Eve in the garden, Enoch's walks with God, and the face-to-face conversation between Moses and Jehovah, who have been the Hebrew name for God, are all commonly regarded as highly exceptional moments in the religious history of humankind. Aside from their obviously unique historical role, however, they are not meant to be exceptional at all. Rather, they are examples of the normal human life God intended for us. Willard is inviting us to consider that when we read these stories in the scripture, we're not to see them as these unique and exceptional moments that are so far removed from us that we could never understand, them, but that this is actually how God intends to and does work in the world, through people that God calls to be a part of what he's doing. Now you could say that there's, there's two kinds of ways, there's two kinds of calls that God makes. There's like a general call, and there's a unique one. Generally speaking, the invitation that God makes in Christ is for all people to join God's family. A family not defined by ethnic boundaries or religious rituals, but defined by the person and work of Orthodox Jesus and to join God in his work of self-giving love in the world. That's a general call made to all people. But within that, there's a way in which each of us individually is invited to be a part of what God is doing. We're called to use our unique gifts and abilities to be a part of God's work in the world. Each of us is invited to consider that there is an answer to the question, Who am I, and what am I doing here? That's why in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he says this, he says, He, God, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So when Paul talks about people who come to be a part of the family of God, who choose to to follow in the way of Jesus, He talks about these gifts that are given uniquely to individuals to be part of what God is doing in the world. That we receive gifts that we get to use to participate in what God is doing. And that those gifts are part of our unique call in the world. That as God looks to bring about life and beauty and justice in the world, the way that he does that is by calling Individuals to live out their unique gifts. People like Abraham, like Mary, like Paul, and like you and me to use the gifts that we have to be a part of the work God's doing in the world. And again, I, I know it's it's easy to feel like that I've never quite had the experience of people like a, like a Mary, like an Abraham. Those, you know, there was no voice. There was no no moment where there was glowing and I fell off a horse or, you know, a voice kind of spoke to me in in the quiet of my room. But the thing is, not everybody in Scripture had these crazy angels-show-up, trumpets experience. There were numerous people who got a sense of what God was calling them to do as they simply listened to how God was speaking to them through the people around them people like King David if you're familiar with him who kind of found his way into the being a king the monarchy through the normal way I mean it was a little subversive but he was anointed by a prophet that's kind of how it worked or or Stephen who was the ended up being the first person who was killed for his faith who was appointed who was Called to a particular position because the leaders said, hey, you, you should do this. Or Esther, uh, if you're familiar with the story of Esther, this, you know, we, we've kind of romanticized it, there have been some movies made about it, but this, this Hebrew girl who was brought into um, a king's harem, and she found herself in a position, not because she got some divine call, but because she looked around and said, I'm in a really crappy place in life, but I have an opportunity because of where I'm at to use my influence to rescue people, and so I'm going to do that. There wasn't some divine voice that she heard. It was a matter of her looking around and going, this is what I can do with what I have with where I am, and so I'm going. to. And now we look back on that and say, oh my goodness. What an amazing individual! For many of us, maybe even for most of us, our calls don't happen like the you know these amazing stories we find in Scripture, but they're no less our call. They're no less our gifts. They're no less our opportunities to be a part of what God is doing uniquely by using the things that we have, that you have, uniquely to be a part of God's plan and what He's doing. In This is a pattern. This is how God works. You and I are called. We're given gifts that we get to use. And they're gifts. This isn't, this isn't something that you and I have to do to kind of prove our worth. This isn't, this isn't the thing where you kind of have to pass the test to be good enough. We have to work really hard to, to earn your keep. This is a gift to you. That you get to use to bring beauty and justice and life into the world. To be a part of the, the grand story that God's telling. It's a gift you're given that you get to offer to others. So, if that is true, if you are called and given a gift that you get to use to be a part of what God's doing in the world, how do we figure out what that is, what my call is, who I am and why I'm here? Some thoughts, some, some suggestions for us to consider as we think about finding our place in God's glory, figuring out what our call is individually. First of all, you need to learn about yourself. I think one of the, one of the challenges of modern life is how unreflective we are. How constantly we are busy and harried and distracted and we never take time to listen, to listen to to God, to listen to ourself, to pay attention to what's going on in our lives. We need to take time to learn about ourselves, how we're uniquely gifted, what talents we have. Gamers get this, right? Gamers have known this for a while. If If you're a gamer, if you play any kind of video game, you understand that there's something about understanding the unique gifts that individuals are given. So my son uh, he's into this game called Overwatch. Um, and so it's this really creative world, lots of amazing characters, fascinating. And one of the things, and if you play any kind of uh, character based game, you've experienced this, this isn't unique to Overwatch, but there's there's each character has different skills, different strengths, and different weaknesses. And so depending on what you're doing, what world you're in, what boss you're fighting, where you're at there are different gifts that allow certain characters to do a better job in certain parts of the game. They have certain advantages over other ones. So if you're playing in one one you know, area, you might want to use one player. Another one works better in another area because they have different gifts that allow them to do different things well, which is why they function best as a team. But you have to be strategic as you're thinking about, well, who do I use now and, and what, what weapons do they have, what tools can they use in this particular scenario? And it's it's really it's actually a great way to think about life, right? Because that's how we experience life. That's what's true. None of us has everything, has every gift needed. None of us has everything that anyone in the world needs at any given time. You have something of immense value, but you don't have everything. We all have strengths and we have weaknesses. And the key is learning who we are, how God put us together, what our strengths are, and how to leverage those in a way that bring the most life and beauty and justice into the world. How do we use the gifts we've been given to be a part of God's story and what God's doing in the world? And so there are some great tools for this. And, and the first is simply prayer and reflection. Spending time praying, asking God to, to show you who you are, how you've been put together, what gifts you've been given. There's also a lot of personality tests out there. You you might be familiar with some of them, things like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs assessment, StrengthsFinder test, the DISC, et cetera, et cetera. You go on. There's a lot of these, and different ones have different advantages and different advantages or di- disadvantages. Um, none of them is perfect, but they can be really helpful tools in thinking through who you are, how you're put together, what you do well. Maybe even seeing a counselor, working with a therapist to kind of work through what's going on in your life and uh, what, what, what you're struggling with, getting through some humps. But intentionally working on discovering who you are, how God has put you together, what your gifts are, and even what your weaknesses are, can really help you in identifying what your call is, how God has uniquely called you to be a part of what he's doing in the world. Parker Palmer, in his book, Let Your Life Speak, talks about vocation. But when he talks about vocation, he's essentially talking about the same thing that we're talking about here, what you're called to. He says this. He says, Vocation does not come from willfulness. It comes from listening. I must listen to my life and try to understand what it is truly about, quite apart from what I would like it to be about, or my life will never represent anything real in the world, no matter how earnest my intentions." That insight is hidden in the word vocation itself, which is rooted in the Latin for voice. Vocation does not mean a goal that I pursue. It means a calling that I hear. Before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. This can be the most freeing thing ever. Learning that you were created intentionally as you are. Now, we all have stuff we have to deal with. I'm not saying you're perfect. No, we, we all have stuff we have to deal with. We all have sin and brokenness and things we need to work through. But you were, you were created with the gifts that you have. You were created as you are intentionally. You're not a cosmic accident. You are a gift to the world. And discovering who you are and how you're wired and learning to accept and love who God made you is a big step forward in learning what you're called to and how to live your fullest life, to experience life to the full. You were called. You were designed specifically to be a part of what God's doing so as you learn about yourself, another thing to pay attention to is what you're passionate about. What are the things that get you up in the morning that drive you? We're not all passionate about the same things. That's patently obvious, right? Like, there are certain things that other people, they just, they get fired up about, and you hear them go on about it, you watch them, you watch them talk about it on Facebook, and it's just, you're just like, I have no idea why you find that interesting. Like, it just doesn't, resonate with me at all. And, you know, particularly when it comes to areas, things that really matter, right? Like, um, you know, alleviating poverty around the world, uh, justice issues, whatever. We can feel guilt around that, right? Like, oh, they're really passionate about that thing. I should probably be passionate about that thing, too, because it's a bad thing. And if I was a good person, wouldn't I be passionate about that thing? And granted, Generally speaking, all of us need to be growing in love for God and love for others. But there's way too much going on for all of us to be passionate about everything. If all of us are passionate about everything, nothing will ever happen. So part of paying attention to our passions and not feeling guilty about that is realizing that there are certain things that you are uniquely invited to be a part of of what God is doing in the world. There's certain ways that God wants to bring life and beauty and justice into the world that you were designed to be a part of, in big ways and small ways. And learning to pay attention to your passions can help you figure out what that looks like for you. Frederick Buechner is an author who writes about vocation as well, and he says, vocation is where our greatest passion meets the world's greatest need. Some of this is kind of identifying what we're passionate about Where there are needs that line up with that passion and where we have gifts that might help us turn that passion into something positive for people who are in need. Bring God's life and goodness and love into the world in some creative, unique way that only you can. What are you passionate about? Pay attention to that. And I think it's important for us to notice that some of us are fortunate enough to to get paid to do that right? Like, you find something you're passionate about, you love doing, it does something positive in the world, and you get to do that in a way that that pays you. But some of us don't. Some of us work jobs that maybe we, we like or we don't like, but we're not particularly passionate about that thing. We're good at it, but it's not the thing that gets us up in the morning. And that's okay. Your call is not necessarily the thing that's going to pay your bills, that you don't have to, you know, not everyone gets to do what they love and get paid for it. It's unrealistic to expect that our paycheck has to come from the thing that we're passionate about. If you can, great. But frankly, there are advantages and disadvantages to that. There are great reasons to do something you love and get paid for it, and there are great reasons to do something you love and get paid somewhere else. This morning's probably not the place to tease all of that out, um, but if you're, you're wrestling with that, I'd love to talk to you about that. There's positive and negative both. It's easy on both sides, right? For for those of us who, who get paid doing the thing we're passionate about, it's easy to look longingly at the other people and go, ah, that must be nice. And for other people who, who don't get paid for what they're passionate about, it's easy to look at the other people who get paid and go, ah, that must be nice, right? So we're all... There's good and bad on both ends, but we don't need to keep going on about that. But your passion's can be expressed in ways, whether, whether you get paid for it or not, there are lots of opportunities to live out of that space. For example, even just right here, you know, there are people in our community who are passionate about working with young people. Nobody who works, well, very few people who work with young people here at CoinOS get paid by CoinOS to do it. And those who do, don't get paid very much. Right? So the people who are investing in young people here, Are doing an amazing job and are doing it because they're passionate about it, not because they're getting a paycheck for it. There are other people I know who are, who are doing that not here, but like they're coaching youth sports or they're, they're mentoring youth in their community in, in specific ways. They're taking an interest in the younger people who are working for them and choosing to invest in them. There are lots of ways to channel those passions in your fair time. make those things work together. Others here are really passionate about art, about bringing beauty into the world in a unique way. You know, we have a couple of people who either just got published or are trying to get published who are writing. They might never make a living off of their writing. But that's not why they're doing it, right? They're, they're doing it because this is this is a part of their passion where they get to be a part of what God is doing in the world, bringing something beautiful into the world in a way that makes a difference, small and large. There are people who, who are artists here. They're, they're musicians. They're photographers. Uh, maybe they work with material. My wife's a quilter. Some of you uh, that you paint. Some of you work with your hands. You build things. These are ways to bring meaning and beauty into the world, and you do it in amazing and creative ways. Whatever it is that you've been gifted with, consider how that lines up with the needs you experience around you, and how you might use those gifts and those passions to make a practical difference in the lives around you. So, learn about yourself. First of all. Secondly, consider receiving input from other people. One of the most helpful things that you can do as you're trying to figure out what you're called to, what your, your call is, what your unique gifts are, is by getting input from other people in your life who know you well. A good friend, maybe a family member that you trust, who you think is objective. You know, family members can be tough, right? Because you ask mom, mom, honey, you're just good at everything. Right? That's not super helpful. Appreciate it. But, you know, so find someone who can be objective, who can rightly see your weaknesses, but also rightly see your strengths. Ask for some input. Get a mentor. Get someone who's kind of been where you might want to go, or you think you might want to go, and ask them to spend some time giving some input in your life. Get input from other people. Again, we see this all through scripture. God using normal people to call others into being part of what he's doing in the world. This is how God works through individuals, through people, in the context of these community. So learn about yourself, get some input from others, and finally, just do what's in front of you. I think one of the hardest things, at least for me, when it comes to thinking about call, what you're called to, what you've been uniquely gifted in is that I think I need to change the world. Right? Like I'm convinced that I need to do some big splash thing. Right? Like I hear the stories about you know charity water and and this guy who who gets this heart for people in Africa who don't have water and he comes back and starts this huge nonprofit and they're raising millions of dollars and, and I'm like, why I need to do something like that. But the vast majority of us will never do that. We're not supposed to do that. We weren't wired to do that. But if we just begin to pay attention to what opportunities exist right here, right now, we can make a tremendous impact by using our gifts make a difference in the lives of them. I think about, um, now, you know, I just talked about, it doesn't have to be a big splash, but I think about Milton Hershey. You're probably familiar with that name from Hershey. Hershey Candy, Hershey Park, Milton Hershey School, et cetera, et cetera. But Milton Hershey didn't make his fame by looking out into the world and saying, what's the huge problem that exists out there that I can change? How do I change the world? Milton Hershey made a lot of money making candy. And he decided that he wanted to invest in the community that he lived in. And so he began to do that. And then Milton Hershey and his wife desperately wanted a child, but they couldn't have kids. And so they looked at this passion, this desire to have children, but their inability to do that, and then they looked out and said, look, there's a, there's a problem. There are orphans who don't have a place to get a good education, to be provided for. We can't have kids But we can create space where kids who don't have parents can find community and friendship and get a good education and get a better start in life. And so they began the Milton Hershey School. The reason why we know of Milton Hershey, sure, he made a gazillion dollars in candy. Most of us aren't going to do that. But his reputation is not that he looked out and saw this huge global problem and decided he was going to start a non-profit to fix it. It was he looked at the town around him and said, what can I, how can I use the resources that I have to make a difference in the place that I am? What are the passions that I have? And even in the places where those things can't be fulfilled the way I want to fulfill them, how can I use the resources that I have to make a difference? Most of us aren't going to start a huge nonprofit and go out and change the world. But all of us have opportunities right in front of us to use our gifts to make a difference in the lives of the people around us. It might be as simple as thinking about how you can be the best parent that you can be. How you can be the most engaged co-worker that you can be. How you can make your office space a better place for people how you can make your neighborhood better for the people around you. I was just talking to um, uh, someone a little earlier today, and he was telling me about a New Year's Eve party they threw last night and how they intentionally kind of went out and invited different neighbors to come over to their house and hang out. And he was like, yeah, it's really funny. The two neighbors who lived across the street from us, they had waved at each other before, um, but they'd never met. And so we kind of invited them to our home, and they got a chance to meet for the first time. Little things like that, building connections, making the neighborhood a little bit better place to live, all of us can do that. You have gifts that you have been given, and you have opportunities that exist right in front of you. At the very least, your call is to consider how might you utilize the gifts you have been given to be a part of what God is doing in the lives of the people around you. <clears throat> Bringing a little beauty, a little life, a little justice into the place where you live. Each of us can do that. Each of us is called to do that. We're gifted to do that. So as you move into the new year, as we start 2017, what if you resolve this year to ask that those questions? who am I and why am I here? How has God uniquely gifted you and how do you find yourself positioned to use those gifts to make a difference in the lives of others? If we do that, not only will we find that it makes the lives of people around us better, but I think we'll find that our lives get better too. That is how we were created to experience full life by using our gifts, not just for us and what we want, but for the betterment of the people around us, the communities that we live in, of the world that we find ourselves in. Being a part of what God's doing, my brothers, using our unique gifts. Father, thank you that uh, you have called us, you've called us collectively to be a part of your family, and you've called us individually to to live out our unique gifts in that context to make a difference in the world. So would you help us, as we move into this new year, to spend time praying, reflecting, thinking about who we are and how you've put us together, and how we might find life by joining you in bringing life and beauty and justice. So thank you, Father, for the gifts you've given us. Help us to use those gifts. Be a blessing, to others. We ask you, Jesus.